Rachel Dory is jumping on the podcast to give some insight into Taylor Hall as well as some advanced stats information. And the Boston Bruins are getting ready to take on the Vegas Golden Knights. It is locked on Boston Bruins. Let's get into it. Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Tuesday, December 14th, and I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Boston Bruins your first listen every day. The podcast is free and available on all platforms, so please do hit that subscribe button. Each new episode will be automatically added to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. The podcast is also available on YouTube, so search up the Locked On Bruins channel subscribe there as well and you can get uh, the podcast in video form as i mentioned off the top uh, i'm going to be joined in a moment by rachel dory she is a uh, friend from hockey twitter for quite some time now she uh, currently works for york university up in toronto as the director of advanced performance uh, using statistical analysis to create game reports stat packages, team projections. She previously worked for the New Jersey Devils uh, during Taylor Hall's time with the team as well. And uh, I'm very excited to catch up with her and get some insight on on Taylor Hall and the Boston Bruins. Uh, A couple notes from Monday here as uh, the Bruins currently on the ice getting ready for tonight's game against the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, head coach Bruce Cassidy back in the mix mix back in the mix after missing two weeks uh after entering uh COVID-19 protocol he said it took him back to when he was coaching in Providence watching Bruins games uh with interest and uh he said he had some symptoms including bad bad headaches um and you know he was also feeling a bit lethargic uh but he is back to it. He's fully vaccinated. So it was a breakthrough case. And, uh, you know, he said there was a lot of positives from the Bruins uh, road trip, obviously. Uh, Joe Sacco did a great job in his absence, getting the guys ready to play and kind of raising his profile as the um, former Colorado Avalanche head coach may uh, one day be looking for another uh, head coaching position. Uh, he pointed to Linus Omark's performance, saying he uh, came up huge for the Bruins. The most important part of the game is goaltending, and if it's not where you need it to be, it can be deflating. But if they're here for you, uh, when the play breaks down, it's obviously a boost. Uh, Allmark, both games against Florida, Florida, Calgary, and Edmonton was outstanding, Cassidy said. Bailed the Bruins out on breakdowns, allowed the guys to sort of put it behind, keep playing, and not get negative thoughts going into the game. Uh, Swayman in Vancouver, he said, uh, was also uh, great. Now, 
On Monday, there were some testing issues, quote unquote, with the Bruins coming back from Calgary. The Flames in the midst of a COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, a bunch of guys weren't on the ice. And they are back on the ice now. Uh, among them, Allmark, Connor Clifton, John Moore. But here on Tuesday morning, one player has entered COVID-19 protocols. And that is winger Craig Smith. Uh, very quick announcement from the Bruins. They're announcing on December 14th that Craig Smith has been placed in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. So that is not great, obviously. Hopefully it's, uh, you know, a situation where he is asymptomatic uh, and that it does not spread to other Bruins. But again, uh the Calgary Flames, who the Bruins played on Saturday in the midst of a pretty big COVID-19 outbreak. The Carolina Hurricanes, who played the Flames last Thursday, also dealing with uh, with COVID. So, yeah, not, uh, not a great start to the week for the Boston Bruins. We'll see who comes in and plays in Smith's place tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, one guy who has stepped up. Recently has been Trent Frederick. He's been back uh, playing center role, his natural position, recorded two assists in the win over Calgary. Uh, he said it was nice uh, to get on the scoreboard, good to help the team statistically and on the score sheet. Anytime you win, it feels good, but uh, he's not used to getting a lot of points. Uh, so that obviously felt good as well. Cassidy said he seems to be moving his feet more in the middle and parts of his game that they want to clean up, but he's done a good job and uh, looks like he'll stay down the middle for the time being. Uh, he needs to work on his face-offs, he admitted, but, uh, you know, that's hopefully something that can come uh, in practice and um, he can kind of get back to that natural position. Now, one Part of his game that he knows is lacking is a bit of that nastiness. He pointed to the game against Nashville where Patrice Bergeron was pushed around quite a bit, uh, resulted in getting his nose broken after a nasty high hit from Philip Forsberg. Uh, Bergeron was very angry at the time, and there was no response from the Bruins uh, on the ice either. Brad Marchand was out with a suspension. Uh Frederick said the Forsberg hit was pretty dirty. Unfortunately, it's hard sometimes because he was not out there with Forsberg. So he's got to go and try after one of their star players, maybe like a Roman Yossi. Um, you know, he said it's Bergy. We got to stick up for him. Probably should have done more there if he's being honest. Anytime somebody like that gets hit, they need to make sure it's their identity to stand up for them. Uh, the Bruins addressed things in the locker room in the aftermath of Bergeron getting knocked around, uh, even in the Nashville game and in subsequent games. And uh, hopefully the Bruins will, you know, stand up uh, for Bergeron more, not necessarily, uh, you know, gooning around, but you can't allow the opposition to take liberties with, uh, with Patrice Bergeron for sure. So, Following up on the Craig Smith news, a quick look at the lines in the morning skate. Right now, this is per Fluto Shinzawa. We have 
Marshan, Bergeron, Pasternak on the top line, Hall, Coyle, Jake DeBrusque coming up and playing the right side in Smith's absence, Howla, Nosik, Felino on the third line, lead Frederick Lazar on the fourth line with Carson Kuhlman as the extra skater, Forbort McAvoy, Grizzlick, Riley skating with Carlo, and then more Clifton on the third pair. Jack Ashan returned to Providence and uh, Jacobs Borrell still on the shelf. And it looks like uh, Jeremy Swayman might be getting the start in this one. All right, before I am joined by Rachel, just a uh, quick word about Omaha Steaks. Uh, what's a holiday memory that you have? Perhaps it involves uh, grilling some steaks. The holidays are around the corner and finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to Omaha Steaks right now and enter it code NHL into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees like the world-famous bacon-wrapped filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. And when you use code NHL, you'll get an additional eight burgers for free with your order. Now, there's a lot of shortages and shipping delays right now, so don't wait. Order that package today at omahasteaks.com. Get those free eight burgers when entering code NHL. Uh, achieving gift greatness with Omaha Steaks is possible this year. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. OmahaSteaks.com, keyword NHL. Also, just want to mention Boost Mobile. Uh, you can switch to Boost Mobile and save money right now. Get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch, so you can get all the latest episodes of Locked On Boston Bruins, all on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save at Boost Mobile. Free phones limited to new customers, one per line. Additional restrictions apply. See BoostMobile.com for details. All right, I am so excited to have uh, Rachel on the podcast today. We've been hockey Twitter friends for uh, I don't even know how long. And uh, even had the opportunity to get together and hang out when I was working uh, at the score in Toronto. A uh, lot's happened since then, but uh, thanks for, for jumping on, Rachel. It's been a, a long time coming to have you on the podcast. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I've been checking out the pod and I mean, you're on the lineup of shows for me to, to listen to. And I just oh, love wow. that you're doing so well. And uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of nuts we met at the score office and now like i pretty much live like right near there oh really okay. yeah like i i can walk by there like all the time when i'm when i'm walking towards um favorite restaurants or whatnot it's it's super oh, nice. close for me so i kind of think about it when i walk by i'm like oh look that's like where i went to median and oh that's fun yeah so i'm uh i'm doing my masters i'm studying uh the nhl draft and doing some analytics and sports science um, nice. And I've got uh, the Staff and Graph podcast, so that's yeah, very cool. Yeah, I guess that office is well, they're moving offices. I guess now that they uh, expanding and all that, but I always miss uh, that Wilbur Mexican restaurant that's right down the street from there. That was my Wilbur favorite. Mexicana is the absolute so gem. I yes. I don't know what this says about me, but I'm on a first name basis with the staff there. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's amazing. I would go there. Yeah. I don't know too often. I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't pass it up. So good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a couple of reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast today. First of all, I was just saying in the first segment that Craig Smith has been placed in COVID-19 protocol. So that's not great for the Bruins. I guess we'll start maybe with Jake DeBrusque. He's got a trade request uh, going on for a couple of weeks now. It looks like he's going to play on the second line tonight with Taylor Hall and Charlie Coyle in Smith's absence. Um, first of all, kind of from your experience working at the NHL level, uh, how disruptive is, I don't know if you came across this scenario in your time there, but how disruptive is a trade request and kind of where do you see Jake DeBrusque's um, trade value at right now for the, for the Bruins? I think every trade request is different and it really depends on how disruptive the player who's made the trade request is. So if you have somebody like Jack Eichel, who basically is like, not only am I making a trade request, I am not playing and not stepping foot in your facilities until you trade me. Like it's just not happening. Then it can be extremely disruptive. Or even if you have a player who's very like disgruntled and you could tell pure Luke Dubois comes to mind where like mm. there's that video of that shift where he may as well have been playing <laughs> pond talkie at that yeah. point. It can be exceptionally disruptive with Jake DeBrusque. What I've noticed is he said, you know what? It's not really working here. And I really would like some like to go somewhere else, but he's played really good hockey since mm. he's made that request. And that actually helps the situation because other teams see, okay, even when he, upset he's still capable of playing really good hockey he's not going to be a bad guy in the room he's not going to be disruptive to what our team is doing and Mm. I think he's helping his trade value here now he's going to get a chance on the second line with Taylor Hall who I think quite honestly I kind of like that line like I think they they could be they could do some damage based on stylistically how they fit and so if if he continues to kind of play well and you know what maybe put up the odd number and he continues to contribute in a bottom six role when he's there it depends on what boston wants you can go one of two ways if you want an asset now you're Mm. probably wanting let's say let's just use edmonton for example because they need some winner help and i think that's a good fit i think you're probably looking at someone like warren fogel coming the Mm. other way yeah um who i think would be a pretty good fit in boston to be honest um and that's like a now player but if you want futures you're not going to get a first for Jake DeBrusque anymore. No. Like you just, you're not, I think you could conceivably get like a second and a fifth though. Like, I think that's a realistic expectation, but I wouldn't be surprised given where Boston is with the perfection line and where they are in their careers. If they do opt for someone that can help now. So somebody like a Warren Fogle, um, that could be interesting. The other interesting situation, and I don't know how the salary would necessarily work. I think there'd have to be other pieces involved. I think Boston could really benefit from potentially doing a deal that surrounds Vladimir Tarasenko. Mm, wow. That would and I amazing. would include Jake DeBrusque in a deal that brings back that level of scoring. Yeah. I would assume that would have to include like uh, Jack Stanika at least as well. Or Well, you've got to look at the salary portion of it too, yeah. right? I yeah, and hope St. Louis retains because they're probably going to have to. Mm-hmm. But I think when you look at Boston, the whole talk is secondary scoring, secondary scoring. Well, Vladimir Tarasenko is pretty good at scoring. <laughs> yeah. And so I think if you can maybe have a package where you get Jake DeBrusque out, he gets to St. Louis, that might be a bit better of a situation. You've got some younger players there. Um, he kind of fits with the mold there. 
I think you could have something there, and then it brings back a player that can really help Boston. That's something, if I'm the Bruins, I would explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be uh, very into that, of course. Uh, <laughs> that would be amazing. I uh, Yeah, I've kind of been pounding like the Dylan Strom in Chicago, or you just look at guys who have been scratched lately or d- pushed down. You mentioned Edmonton. I think Kyler Yamamoto, he's been bumped down the lineup a little bit as well. Uh, that's a guy that has come up lately. Kevin LeBanc in San Jose. These are names that have come Kevin up. Kevin LeBanc could be a good fit. Yeah. So I'm interested to see um, what the package is, how long it takes, whether it's before the freeze or afterwards. I'm not a huge fan of one of the issues for him last year was kind of bouncing around from the left side to the right side where it's not his natural position. But if he's playing with Hall and Coyle, then yeah, he's well positioned to to continue to succeed despite this. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborations for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters most than fitting in. Those who feel good, do good. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. I wanted to talk to you about Taylor Hall, who you're well familiar with uh, from his time in New Jersey. I believe you were there when he He won uh, won the heart. Yeah, that season. So for me coming in last season, I was really blown away by Hall. He was a lot better off the puck than I had remembered. Um, And yeah, creating offensively this season, a lot of people are starting to look at his production, uh, the contract that he got, the job security saying, well, he's uh, kind of locked in for four years. There's not really much pressure on him. He's kind of, a bit of a passenger. Um, what's your, yeah, first of all, from what you know of Taylor Hall, what are you sure that he is capable of at this point? Is he like an elite winger at this point? Is he uh, kind of that secondary scoring that we just talked about? What is he capable of doing still at this point in his career, do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to get back to the Hart Trophy. There was a lot of uh, factors that went into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was he was the premier guy on the power play. And John Hines basically told him, you're playing 90 seconds at least of every power play. Right. That isn't going to happen in Boston. Right. Um, and so right there, you can pretty much chop every power play point he got mm. in New Jersey out. And I believe, I want to say, do not quote me on this. I think it was like 38% of his production, oh. so close to 40%. Yeah. And so that's a problem right there. Yeah. And, and I... I know that Boston did their homework on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when you're looking at it, you look at Taylor Hall even strength. And what are what are his strengths? He is not a scorer. He is a transporter of the puck, mm. which means he needs to play with someone who can score, right. a la Craig Smith, a la Jake DeBrusque. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised Boston hasn't tried this yet for like an extended period of time because Jake DeBrusque can really shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. And – like when Taylor was playing with Jesper Bratt, I mean, people are now finding out how good Jesper Bratt is, but like he could always shoot the puck. 
And when Taylor would get Brad or the puck, the puck would find its way to the net. And then Nico Heischer's banging in the rebounds or whatever the case may be. So I think with Taylor Hall, what you should expect is at even strength, he's going to be the guy that goes offense or defensive zone to offensive zone, carrying the puck. That's kind of his role there. He's really good at creating off the rush. And an area that I don't think he's used particularly well in Boston, I don't know if it's a Boston way of playing or what the deal is, but he's really good kind of below the goal line, in the goal line area Mm. at creating chances. I don't necessarily think that's how Boston likes to play, so that might hurt him a little bit. But to me, I look at it, and that's your puck carrier, which means he needs to play with guys that don't want to carry the puck, that just pretty much want to go to, like, drive the net and shoot the puck. Because when you're playing with Taylor Hall, you're not scoring off the cycle. You're scoring off the rush. Right, right, You need guys that can skate with him, and you need guys that can shoot the puck. And I think Jake DeBrusque is capable of both of those things. Charlie Coyle's definitely capable of both of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so from a Taylor Hall perspective, it's completely unrealistic for him to be putting up 85, 90 points when he's not playing in that top line or in the top power play minutes. I think if he gets 60 points, like you've got to be pretty happy with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely, yeah, doable for sure. And yeah, you mentioned with Charlie Coyle, a lot of people are saying with David Krejci moving on, there's going to be a significant drop off at the second line center spot. But last time I checked coils on pace for like his second most productive offensive season, I think around 50 points. And to me, that's, that's pretty good for a second line center. Is that pretty much like, if you're looking at tiers of like first line center, second line center point expectations, what is the expectation there? Is it like 45 to 55 kind of thing for a second line center or? I think it depends on what tier you want. So if you Mm. look around the league and you look at the elite centers, um, when Pittsburgh's healthy, they have Crosby Malkin. Well, you're expecting 100 points out of both. Yeah. Toronto the same with Matthews Tavares. You're expecting 90 points out of both. Edmonton, I'm expecting 130, quite frankly. (laughs) Um, But in Boston, you look, you've got the perfection line, one of the best lines in the entire league. It's ridiculous Mm. how good they are. Yeah. And so you're getting more points from all of them than pretty much most other first lines are getting. So if you're on the second line in Boston, you're not really the, the, you're not getting the defensive matchups that the top line is. True. So to be fair, like I think, I think Boston, if they want to contend, they need mm-hmm. a center that can put up 65 to 70 points yeah. in that two C spot. Yeah. Um, I know it's a sore subject, but like drafting Matt Barzell probably <laughs> would have uh, helped. Yep. Definitely. Um, but I, I do think in an ideal world, Charlie Coyle's probably your three C. Yeah. Yep. And, you want somebody like I think about it and I'm like, who could be a really good Bruin? Nazem Kadri. Oh, like wow. if you if you think about it, think about how much Boston pissed him off in those playoff series. But you think about how Kadri plays. He's offensive, he's gonna put up ridiculous numbers already this year. Like he's already mm. at 30 points. Yeah. But he plays with that edge, he plays with that bite. He's an absolute menace to play against. And when you think Boston Bruin hockey, that's what you think. Mm-hmm. And so I look at it and I'm like, I wonder if you can get a player of that type, then you maybe push Coyle down. There needs to be something there because I don't, I'm I'm not convinced Boston has anything coming from the draft pipeline that can really be a solid no. 2C. Yeah. And that, yeah, that would include Jack Stanika as well, I guess. 
Um, I think he'll yeah, profile more as a winger at the NHL level. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think he'll, I think Jad Stuck is one of those players. I watched him play in Oshawa quite a bit. Yeah. I think to me, he's going to have the most success in the NHL as a winger because it kind of removes some of that defensive responsibility mm. and he can just focus on being that really creative, really talented um, playmaker for his line mates. And so I look at it and I go, he's not really going to mesh with somebody like Taylor Hall because they're pretty similar in style. You need someone, ideally, you need someone who fits the mold of Brat in that kind of hole. And I do think Jake DeBrusque is a fit there. Yeah, I guess we'll get uh, to see that tonight, see if it's successful. And uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch for sure. I wanted to ask you a couple more uh, questions just about the Bruins as a whole. So I've been talking a lot about or looking at the underlying numbers, I'm not a advanced stats expert by any means, but I look at kind of, you know, shot attempt differential, shot differential, um, high danger chance differential at five on five. I see the Bruins as a top five, top three team in all of those categories, yet their shooting percentage at five on five is uh, last I checked, I'm not sure if that changed after the Calgary game, but it was like dead last in the NHL at five on five. So in my mind, I wonder, do we look at all those underlying numbers and say that it's only a matter of time before that shooting percentage uh, comes up and they have a bit more success that way? Or is it uh, something in their style of play that is keeping that number down despite all that, or is it kind of a bit of both just in your, you know, expertise kind of, how does that all fit together? It's just so weird that it's just not clicking. Yeah. I think it can be a number of things. And one of the things that comes to mind is if you look at last year's playoffs, Toronto out chance, out shot, out played Montreal, like yeah, every, part of the imagine they won everything except the game right but one of the things i noticed and one of the things i'm noticing about boston is while they're winning those battles the actual quality of the chances outside of the top line has not been there Mm. and you are not scoring from the top of the circles if you do not have a shot like pasternak ovechkin matthews line a like you're just not and so I look at it and I go, the top line, we're probably just going to like remove that because that'll correct. They'll be fine. I'm not, right. I'm the least worried about them in the, of the entire NHL. I'm the least worried about <laughs> yeah. them. But for everyone else, I don't think that there's enough high quality chances being generated because you can generate expected goals and uh, chances, but if they're all from the outside at the NHL level, you're not scoring against that. Mm-hmm. And so I think from a stylistic perspective, I, I'm not sure that the cycle game really helps Boston right now because you're not generating enough chances off of that. I did many studies that showed the mo- the teams that were most successful were the ones that obviously scored the most, and they scored the most off the rush. Mm. And Boston is not generating enough chances off the rush that are of high quality. So there need to be more cross-ice passes. There right. need to be more um, high-to-low passes or low-to-high passes kind of to like get the defenseman skates to turn. That'll be when you get your opportunities to have a little bit more time and space 
to get into the scoring area. To me, I look at it, and when I watch Boston, and it's not the top line, it's too seldom that they are getting into the scoring areas where you can really beat teams. Mm. And that's a problem. It's funny you say that because another issue that just watching this team is that uh, propensity to kind of make the extra pass when there is a shot available. So that kind of both of those things together, I guess it's just kind of being more wise in terms of, when to make the pass, when to get that shot on. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. You, there's always this whole like one extra pass thing. And unless you're the elite of the elite and I'm talking like a top 20 player in the league, you should not be passing up a shot from the slot because I'm not convinced that you can make a better play at that point. Like if you are not one of the elite passers in the league, a Panarin, a Marner, uh, the perfection line, like, if you're not one of those guys, I really don't think you should be passing up the high danger scoring opportunities, especially right now when you're slumping. If you get the puck to the high, high danger scoring area, you need to be shooting that. Yeah. And that's super important. That one extra pass a lot of times is where it goes by. And so yeah. I, I look at it and I go, if you get the puck in the high danger scoring area, shoot it and have your teammate driving to the net instead of making that pass and have them be expecting loose puck, a rebound, whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. That's what's kind of frustrating is because it has been Posternak who has been guilty of kind of making that extra pass. And it's, he needs to shoot the puck. He's on that shot. He definitely has to shoot for sure. Um, Yeah. He's not paid to pass. Yeah. (laughs) One uh, final question for you about the Bruins. And uh, there's been a lot of talk about the current, goaltending duo that they have in place in uh, Allmark and Swayman, who uh, have been playing very well as of late. Um, and then Tugaras kind of um, waiting in the wings, maybe going to make a comeback. And there's been a lot of talk about whether it's does a disservice to a guy like Jeremy Swayman to send him to the AHL and bring Rask in. Um, I'm of the mind that, you know, he Swayman in particular is, is still pretty young and has had limited time in the AHL. So it wouldn't be the worst thing for him to come back. Just go with, you know, the best possible players. If Rask wants to come back, then you absolutely bring him back. Um, is that kind of something that you would echo or what, what would be your take on, on that whole situation? When I look at goaltending development, I think too often goaltenders are rushed and that really harms their development. Um, You look at what Ron Hextall did in Philadelphia, and he essentially lost his job for saying, I'm not bringing up Carter Hart because he's not ready yet. And Ron Hextall turned out to be right. Like Carter Hart Mm -hmm. needed that time. And he was absolutely correct there. And I think when you look at something like that, look at Thatcher Demko in Vancouver. They left him at school, then they left him in the AHL, and they left him there, and now look at Thatcher Demko. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think you can even have an argument that he's very good. No, yeah. Um, so for me, I look at it. Swayman, he has been playing well. Yes, like we're not going to disagree there. Yeah. But what we usually see is goaltenders have when they're new. There's not a whole lot of video on them, mm, and right. shooters haven't shot on them, so they're not sure of their in-game tendencies. But once you start to get that, that's why we see that kind of second-year regression. We saw it with Carter Hart. We saw it with Mackenzie Blackwood. Right, yeah. Um, like 
I look at it and I go, I think that's sort of what we're doing here. Look at Igor Shashorkin. They left him in the AHL, and I think it's turning out okay yeah, for New York yeah, for sure. because of Henrik Lundqvist. But they waited and waited. So I think if Tuca's ready, and by, do not rush Tuca back, mm-hmm. but if Tuca's ready, it's sort of like that Henrik Lundqvist, Shashorkin thing. I'm not going to sit here and say Swayman is as good as Igor right. because that's not fair either. Yeah. But make Swayman go to the AHL. Maybe he helps that team out a ton. Maybe he gives them confidence. Maybe they go on a run. And Swayman is the guy because I think the biggest thing about being an NHL goalie is mental. You have to know how to be the guy and you don't know how to do that unless you've done it at a different level. And so Swayman needs to be the guy at the AHL level to show he can really do that. And then he can come and be the guy in Boston. I think in the playoffs, if, I think the Bruins are going to make the playoffs. I think you bring them up for the experience. And you know what? If Rasker Almar falters, then he's the guy that goes in, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. But to me, you cannot do harm by sending a young goalie down. It's different if he's like 35 or 29, Mm -hmm. whatever. But this is a young kid with not a lot of AHL experience. I think it would really benefit him to be the guy. And he goes down there and you tell the AHL coach, he's playing 70% of the games. We need him to be the guy. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I I would say if Rask is healthy, yeah, he needs he needs to come back, and it doesn't do a disservice to swim and to to send him down by any means. It it could be better for him long term. In fact, um, Rachel, I'm so uh, grateful that you were willing to jump on it and chat this morning. Before you go, I always like to ask people kind of what they're enjoying away from the game if you have time. Uh, is there anything that you're watching or or uh, really into these days apart from hockey that uh people should know about yeah so i'm i guess i'm really late to the party here i started watching drive to survive on sunday oh wow i'm already halfway through the race yeah i'm already halfway through season two yeah um but like growing up i'm i'm european and like german specifically so f1 racing is a big thing especially because of mercedes and so I've known about it growing up. Like, I'm not a newbie by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I just didn't watch the documentary. But now I'm, like, fully addicted. So I've been watching that. Um, yeah, I've been doing I went through puzzles. that all this past summer. I, I burned through that. And, uh, yeah, I, I knew nothing about F1, but I loved it. It's so good. Yeah, so I've been doing Drive to Survive. Um, I, like, outside of hockey, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm a pretty big Bayern fan. You're right. Um, I would – yeah, that's Bayern, TFC. Those are the the clubs that I. Um, there is no hockey team that I could ever love more than wow. those two soccer teams. Like I, when you're born into something like that, you uh, not so much TFC, but I'm I'm from Toronto. But with with Bayern, right. I, that's a family affair, and uh, it's a pretty big one. So for me, um, that's what I'm into. If you want a TV show recommendation, this might be playing my hand a little bit here, but I watched The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that on right now, or is it in between, or what? Not uh, the you? Bachelorette. It's the um, it's like overnight week, so the finale is next week. Oh wow! Well, yeah, so that's kind of like my. I'm sure you could tell if you go through my mentions on Twitter that hockey can be very stressful for me sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. And so for me, I I don't like to watch um things away from the game i i really do like to shut off and watch some pretty awful tv like 90 day fiance <laughs> like i'll watch that <laughs> yeah nice all right 
Very cool. Well, uh, where can people find uh, your hockey work and hockey coverage uh, right now? Where can people find you on uh, on social media as well? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Rachel Dory. Um, it's kind of, I guess, pretty simple name to find. Yeah. Um, you can find me on the Staff and Graph podcast, and I'm actually writing for the Hockey News now. So oh, cool. you can find me there, and I'll have some pieces out. I'm going to have a piece coming out about how um, the NHL should tell the Olympics to kick rocks and go <laughs> full into the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. And what what's your, I guess, can kind of get the sense there, but do you think it's going to happen anyways that NHL players are going to go or it's not looking too good, eh? I don't think it is. I think um, when you combine the diplomatic issues – and COVID and yeah. how the Chinese government is kind of handling things. Um, I think it's, we're, we're treading down a very dangerous path right yeah. now. And I personally, like I'm half Chinese and I love the Olympics. You mm. could not pay me to go to the Olympics right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's, yeah. All, all those things together. It's uh, even just, yeah. The diplomatic boycott, I don't really get the point. Well, if you're, make you're a Bruins any... fan, and this is a yeah. Bruins podcast, David Posternock, Patrice Bergeron, and Brad Marchand are all going to the Olympics mm-hmm. if the NHL goes. What Possibly happens even if... Rask might, could go for Finland. So what happens if they get COVID and all three of those gentlemen are stuck in China for five weeks? Yeah. What happens to the Bruins? Yeah, they're they're done. There's they're done. no chance. Going or like back Edmonton, to that... what happens if Dreisaitl and McDavid yeah. get caught there? Like, you're exactly. done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I don't see it happening at this point, for sure. Yeah, but, I just, uh, I, I don't think it's the right thing to do. And I want the play, like, I want to see Crosby and McDavid on the same team. Yeah, for sure. But it is not the right thing to do to go. What do they, what would they do if NHL players don't go? Just kind of put together a, yeah, there's like, time, like a mix. Yeah, band. there'll be like, um, kind of European players that'll go. Um, like Spengler like, Cup type guys that essentially are like... yeah so like Devin Dubnik would probably be a goalie uh that would go Eric Fair would be a player like guys that are playing overseas right um or in the KHL Ryan like they... Spooner is a former Bruin on the Spengler Cup team maybe he'll likely yeah 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 I could see something like that I mean I think we all want NHL play we all want to watch NHL players because those are the best players like given the choice you want to watch Crosby and McDavid or you want to watch Ryan Spooner like <laughs> yeah. what are we doing yeah. here but yeah, from yeah, a safety exactly. perspective, like, do you want to watch those players play on the same team for two weeks or do you want to watch them play in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely in the in the, in the the playoffs, for sure. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for, for taking some time to chat. It was great to catch up, and uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. Yes, for sure. Great to chat with you. Yeah. All right. Take care. Thanks so much. All right, everybody, that was uh, Locked On Boston Bruins for Tuesday, December 14th. The Bruins playing tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, we'll see how our boy Jake does there up on the second line. And, uh, yeah, what else the Bruins uh, are up to. Tuka Rask back on the ice as an e-bug, taking some shots. And uh, I think tomorrow might be the deadline for him to sign before going through waivers. And, uh, yeah, just a lot happening, but I'm grateful to have been able to catch up with Rachel and, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy that chat and that you all have a great rest of the day. We'll be back tomorrow to recap tonight's game against Vegas. Take care, everybody.